Pharmacy and their 4,000 affiliates are pleased to present Crime Without a Script, the thrilling new show where art imitates crime. Or is it the other way around? In the previous episode... The office is empty. Uh, I am quite capable of lifting fingerprints as a matter of actual fact. Uh, The big guy in the black and white check sports coat? That's Paul Becker, the head of the television division. Hey, he's headed for the storage closet behind six. Quick, hide behind this car to recording gear. We need to see what he's up to without him seeing us. Oh boy, another mystery. I don't know if I can handle it. My brain is about to explode as it is. Betting slip? And an IOU? The prince belonged to an antiquity smuggler named Murgatroyd Smith. I saw in the paper that this group is going to try and solve Walt's murder. I want to help. I think what I have will help a lot. What do you mean you want to help, Stella? Do you know something about Walt Huffman's murder? I didn't say that. I said I have information that could help solve the case. You, I don't like. Most women don't. I'm used to it. You should do the same. Easy there, ladies. We're all in this together. So, uh, what would you like to tell us, Stella? <laughs> Please, before you reveal all, allow me to offer you my seat at the table. I will just purloin an extra chair. <laughs> Thanks. You mentioned Walt's last name, I noticed. Did you know him, too? No. We got that information from the police. Yeah, I have a cousin who works in forensics. That's all we know, though. Well, uh, that and he was a regular at the glass slipper. And he likes to wear black trench coats on hot nights. Not usually he didn't. Walt's been coming to the slipper for about a year, and that's the first time I'd seen him wear that coat. All summer it was just sports coats and slacks. That was just one weird thing, though. Oh? What else was weird about him last night? Not just last night. For about a week he sat at the table in the corner and sat about the bar like he always did. And he seemed real nervous. I asked him if he was okay, and he said he was fine, but... I didn't buy it. Did he meet anyone when he was sitting at the corner table? Just once, the night before last. I didn't see the guy up close, but I do know for a fact that he was wearing a black trench coat. It was a short conversation, but it looked pretty intense. I think it had something to do with gambling. Gambling? Right there in the club? No, not in the club. Nobody would be that dumb. I think Walter had a gambling problem, though. I heard him on the phone not long ago talking to someone about owing money. Well, there it is. In the blackest black and the whitest white, the snuffing out of Walter Huffman was payment for a gambling debt. All that remains to be done is to identify the party to whom he owed this debt. Are you kidding? This doesn't even begin to... Russell, uh, you're uh, absolutely right. Uh, Thanks for the information, Stella. If you hear anything else, uh, be sure and let us know, would you? Yeah, sure. I, um, have to get to the club. Let me know if you come up with anything or anyone, would you? I want to help. Walt, I liked. He was okay. We will. Barney, you cut Lorraine off for a reason. What was it? Stella's up to something. She couldn't avoid a call Walt made unless she was on his lap. The phone booth has a door. 
remember? I had the same thought. About her, anyway. Her story was just too... convenient. She has to be in cahoots with someone involved with this mess. Well, if she is, why would she come and talk to us? Unless she was trying to divert suspicion, maybe. You don't think she killed Walt, do you? Oh, she couldn't have. She was on stage. I saw her myself. Uh, I corroborate that witness statement, for I saw her as well. So, how could it have been done? Well, between the lack of witnesses and something the police lieutenant said that night, I think there was only one way. The murderer was hiding in the phone booth. He must have told Walt, he, uh, Mr. Huffman, to call him at a certain time, then hid in the booth. That sure makes sense to me. And it would explain why Lorraine thought he had a hard time closing the door. So if Stella didn't do it, who did? Oh, I think I have it. This is going to sound crazy, but hear me out. Lorraine just told us she found betting slips. Betting slips that Mr. Becker apparently came looking for and took away with him. Roy reported seeing a man in a black trench coat roaming the halls of TMQ. There was a fire in a storage closet that Mr. Becker admitted being in. I think Mr. Becker is the man in the black trench coat. That Walt was his bookie and that he's been dealing in stolen antiquities on the side to fund his betting habit. I don't think Stella is his girlfriend, but I do think she's in on it, and he sent her to find out what we know and plant lies to hide the truth. Well done, Millie. I think you have cudgeled the proverbial nail on its proverbial head. Hang on. I can see how things could be stacked that way. My big question is why? Why would he jeopardize a really promising new job doing all of that stuff? It could just be as simple as a gambling problem that's bigger than even a television vice president's salary could cover. No matter what, we need solid, irrefutable proof to show who the murderer is. We don't want to accuse someone falsely and ruin their lives. One more step to Hey, all of this talk is making my head swim. The smell of coconut and boigas is making me really hungry. I say we drop this for now, eat, then go home and uh, sleep on it. Things will make more sense tomorrow. It's me, Paul. Yeah? Good. Now the chase has been diverted, so to speak, I can breathe a little easier. I might actually buy a black trench coat and sneak around here once or twice, just to cement that story. <laughs> of course I'll pay up. You know I'm good for it. I was going to pay you last night, but things kind of got out of hand, as you know. I didn't... Yeah. But I promise on my honor that you'll get your money. Tomorrow, same time, same place. You'll get your money when I'm good and ready. I think I'll stop for a steak before I go home. What are you doing here? I said tomorrow. A, a gun? No, you, you wouldn't do that. Come on, I'm good for it, I swear. I, here, I, I've got a hundred bucks. Take it. I'll, I'll get you the rest tomorrow. Are you afraid I'll, I'll talk? I, I swear I would never spill the beans. Not to anyone. Say something, would you? Please, don't do this. I would have paid you.
Artie, what's going on? Why can't we get in the building or park in the lot? Oh, hiya, Roberta. Yeah, it's a terrible thing. Someone killed Mr. Becker. Shot him right here in our parking lot sometime last night. He wasn't found until this morning. Police are still investigating the crime scene. Oh, wow. Mr. Becker. Why, I wonder? Yeah, yeah, that's the question of the day. I didn't know him well along, but he was always real nice to me. I think it must have been a, a robbery gone wrong. Yeah, that must have been it. Good morning, Roberta. What, what's going on? Paul Becker was shot and killed in the parking lot last night. What? But, 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 but we have a lot of work to do, I know. Maybe we can take our rehearsal to a coffee shop or something. I think Sadie's opens early. Well, hello there. Miss Maxwell and Mr. Ward, right? You were two of the people who were at the glass slip of the night Walter Huffman was killed. And two of the people who discovered the trash fire here, come to think of it. Right you are, Sergeant Price. You two weren't here last night, were you? Three times a charm and all that? <laughs> no, we weren't. We, along with the rest of the Eddie James cast, left here a little before seven, I think, and went over to Sadie's Aloha Diner. We were there until she kicked us out at closing time, 10 o'clock. When was Mr. Becker killed? Officially, we're still determining that. Off the record, between witness accounts of the condition of the body, it had to have been between 8 and 9. So that leaves you people out, which makes me very happy. Do me a favor and stay here for a minute. I'll be back as soon as I can. Phil, Lorraine and Millie came into the diner after we did last night. Do you have any idea when? Not for sure. But it couldn't have been more than ten minutes after we did. We hadn't gotten our drinks yet. You don't think... Of course not. I just want to be sure the police don't get any ideas. They couldn't. Lorraine had never met the man. She told me so herself, so she'd have no motive. I can't imagine Millie even ever even having a dark thought. Never mind kill a man in cold blood. <laughs> You're such a mother hen, always looking out for us. Have you always been like that? You know what? I have. I have nothing to blame it on either. My parents are still alive and I don't have any younger brothers or sisters. My childhood was pretty average, other than I got the writing bug at an early age. I had to keep up my schoolwork and I was obligated to help on our farm. Oh, but any time I had to myself went to scribbling in my journals. I had my first piece published before I was out of high school. That's it then. You nurture the characters you create, and that nurturing extends to the people around you. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think it's a good thing, and I wish more people did it. Thanks, Phil. How about you? Does all your niceness come from a good upbringing? Well, thanks for that. I have my moments, I guess. As for my upbringing, it was kind of like yours. Average and on a farm. My family owns a dairy farm in Minnesota. I didn't know a thing about acting until high school when the drama teacher talked me into playing Tony Kirby in You Can't Take It With You in my junior year. I took to it like a cow to spring grass. A movie production came to our area about a year later and I was one of the locals picked to be an extra. When they packed up to go back to Los Angeles, I went with them and I've never looked back. It's a darn good thing I'm the fourth of seven boys so I wasn't expected to take over the farm. Uh, I don't know. 
You could have recited sonnets to the cows and had the sweetest milk for miles. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep that in mind in case I ever have to go back. I hope I can use the sonnets sooner, though, and for a female human instead of a bovine one. Hi, guys. Can't stop. I'm late. City Beat starts in five minutes, and I'm the moita victim today. You're not late. The building's off limits right now while the police inspect the crime scene. Crime scene? What crime scene? Top of the morning, dear friends. Barney, I'm glad to see I'm not the only tardy soul this morning. <laughs> tut, tut. We must be off. No time to dilly-dally. Uh, wrong. There is lots of time to dilly-dally. The building's off limits. Paul Becker was murdered here last night. The cops are still examining the scene. What? How on earth did that happen? Well, when two people don't like each other very, very much, one gives the other one a very special kind of kiss. Most likely what a 28. Not funny, Barney. Yeah, none of this is. Oh, good. The rest of you are here. Uh, would you come with me, please? Uh, this isn't all of the Eddie James cast, Jack. Lorraine and Millie aren't here. They, they are, actually. They were here early for the It Takes Two with Betty Lou broadcast. They've been flirting with the lieutenant. <laughs> He's married, but I don't think they would get very far, even if he was single. He's kind of, uh, well... All about the regulations, if you know what I mean. We certainly do. We are as well, I assure you. We just follow them with a bit more... Oh, how shall I put it? Uh, <coughs> panache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you need us for, Sergeant? I don't think any of us knew the guy. Well, that's a question for the lieutenant. He just told me to find anyone involved with the wastebasket fire and bring them to him. Really? What does the fire have to do with this? I shouldn't tell you this, so don't let on to anyone, especially him, that I spilled the beans. We have reason to believe Mr. Becker was the one who set fire to the wastebasket. Do you don't say! Why on earth would he do such a thing? That's one of the many things we're trying to figure out. Here's the rest of them, Lieutenant. Good. What all you know about this? The murder? Just what Artie the security guard told us, that Mr. Becker was murdered out here in the lot last night. Lieutenant Ruby, the way you phrased that question sounds like you think we do know something. To what are you inferring? Lieutenant, sorry to interrupt, but I spoke with Miss Okada, the uh, owner of Sadie's Aloha Diner. She confirmed that the six in question were there from approximately seven until a little after ten last night. Uh, thank you, Jones. Leaves you six off the hook with this. To answer your question, Miss Maxwell, I believe that this murder and the wastebasket fire happening on the same day are little more than a mere coincidence. There is also the incident of the murder of Walter Huffman, a murder that occurred right in front of you. You may not have killed Paul Becker or even Walter Huffman, but you do know more than telling. I want to know everything. Now. Oh, come on, Lieutenant. We're actors, not underworld thugs. <laughs> there isn't a devious bone in the body of any of us. Of that, I am positive beyond a shadow of a doubt. Devious? Probably not. Desperate? That's another story. We've looked into all of you, Mr. Banks. Now, Sergeant, if you have truly done your homework, then you know I was cleared of any and all charges. 
I thought it had been stricken from my record, uh, in fact. Look! That was years ago when I was very young and very dumb. And like you said, I was desperate. I'm not desperate anymore. And I've never even met Paul Becker or Walt Huffman, for that matter. Those charges were stricken from your record, Mr. Banks. But the ones when you got when you were still uh, Russell Smolinski. Or not. As for you, Miss Spangler, let's just say I read your whole file. And while I will never condone... Breaking the law? I understand why you did what you did. Does anyone else want to reveal their past? Hmm? Yeah. I think so. I repeat the question. What do you know that you're not telling me? Well, we better tell him. Probably. Yeah, let's just tell him. We don't really know anything, Lieutenant Ruby. There have been a few odd things that have happened that seem to all be connected, but we don't know how or why. It all started really when Phil found the wallet. The wallet. Yeah, just a plain brown wallet with nothing in it but some cash, an old gold coin, and a note that said meet S at the glass slipper, 10 p.m., September 13th. I gave the wallet to Artie, the, the security guard at the front desk here. We thought as, you know, we knew about the meeting that we'd go to the glass slipper and try to find the guy who lost the wallet and tell him where it was. You know, trying to be good citizens. Uh, did you meet the owner of this lost wallet? Nah, we didn't meet anyone. Everything happened, just as we told you that night. And you have no idea why anyone would set fire to a wastebasket in a radio station storage closet. I've only been able to come up with two reasons. One, the person who did it had stolen the wallet, saw us give it to Artie, and we were all with Phil when he turned it in, and was mad at us for doing that so they retaliated. Or two, the person is familiar with the station, knew Studio 6 is usually empty on Wednesday afternoons, so they decided it was a good place to burn sensitive information. Well, those are as good ideas as any. But they don't quite fit the scenario. Nothing fits. Hate it when fits. Are you sure you don't have anything else to tell me? Any of you? If I find out later that you withheld information, I'll throw the book at you. Well, there is the office suite that's being used by an antiquity smuggler thing, and I... What? Millie! Well, I have to tell him, Barney. My cousin's involved, and I don't want Dougie to get in trouble. We found an envelope in the burned wastebasket that was addressed to a suite on the third floor of this building. Uh, we went to see who leases that suite, and it turns out nobody does. It's been empty for a couple of months. My manicure has had it before that. And I know she's not guilty of anything. Russell lifted some fingerprints we found, and I had my cousin Dougie, who works for the police department, run them. They belong to a guy named Murgatroyd Smith, who's done time for antiquity smuggling. But that's all we know about him. There's nothing we found to connect him to anything. Well, except for maybe the coin in the wallet, but that's just a coincidence, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, and the Hindenburg was just a balloon. Jack, look into the record of this Murgatroyd Smith. It, uh, no, wait, I'll have Jones to that. I want you to stay with this group. They split up, pick the guiltiest looking one, and stick to them like glue. They may not be murderers, but they're up to something. Now, take them out of my sight. Come on, guys. You don't want to be around the lieutenant when he's grumpy. And he's always grumpy. 
Is there any place we could talk privately? As you police have cordoned off the building, anywhere in the sainted halls of TMQ is currently private. <laughs> Good point. Uh, let's just go to the foyer then. Uh, you guys sure are quick on your feet. I'm going to have to be on my toes around you. You must be a dancer in disguise talking like that. <laughs> Not me. I've got 13 left feet. What are you playing with there, Phil? Huh? Oh, uh, it, it's a gold coin. But it's not the one from the wallet. I'm not accusing you of a thing, but I'm sure you people will tell me everything from now on. Oh, oh. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever you want to know, I'll let you know. I heard all of that, and you're going to be explaining yourselves, especially for the part about the betting slips. I, I want to see that coin first, though. I'm a bit of a numismatist, may I? Uh, sure, here. Nice replica. Really nice. It's only a replica? Yeah, sorry to disappoint you, but yes. What gives it away is the seam on the edge here. Ah, fake? You're kidding. The one on the wallet is real, I'm certain of that. I collect coins myself, and I examine it really closely. Whoa, what the heck? What's wrong, Barney? Look at a coin. Jack just separated into two parts. It's hollow inside. Hollow, but not empty. There's a note. You have been listening to Crime Without a Script, the thrilling new mystery series brought to you by King Pharmacies. King Pharmacies, the highest quality products for all of your medical needs. With over 4,000 pharmacies across the United States, there's bound to be one right around the corner. This week only, customers who mention crime without a script will receive a special gift. Tune in again next week for the next installment of this program. This episode of Crime Without a Script starred in alphabetical order. Lauren Bombauer as Roberta Maxwell. Val Coons as Lorraine Spangler. Max Levine as Phil Ward. Mike Luce as Barney Fuller, Richard Tatum as Russell Banks, and Rochelle Wasserman as Millie Johnson. Script by Val Coons. Sound patterns by Val Coons. I'm your announcer, Carlton Peabody. In this episode, the part of Jones was played by Mike Luce. The parts of Artie and George Ruby were played by Richard Tatum. Stella was played by Rachelle Wasserman. Paul and Jack were played by our special guest star, Ben Zeke. The voice of our announcer, Carlton Peabody, was played by Keith Wright. This has been a Q Footsteps production. Bum bum bum! Dun dun dun! Dun dun dun! Seven o'clock, you know where your coffee is. Wake up, big brother. Yeah, that's a speed bump of a name if I ever saw one. Oh, Murgatroyd, oh, Murgatroyd. Why is your name so futzy? Hurry, <laughs> <laughs>